Hi, and welcome to the Yes Podcast. Here, we share a collection of real stories told by real people who have said, I am yes. I am young enough to serve. We hope these stories and the lessons in them encourage you and challenge you to get involved in kingdom work in your church, neighborhood, and life. Welcome to Yes. Hi, this is Judy Wick, and I have the privilege today of being at gorgeous Mount Hermon Conference Center in Mount Hermon, California, and it's an absolutely uh, such a joy today to welcome a long-time friend of many, and that's Dick Foth. Um, our family's been blessed to know Dick for a span of probably getting close to four decades now. Mm-hmm. Can't believe that. He's old. Uh, <laughs> And he indeed is a poster child for, yes, young enough to serve. So, Dick, uh, welcome. And for those that um, don't know you, which I I find it hard to believe that someone wouldn't know you, but let me just say that Dick and his wife, Ruth, live in um, uh, northern uh, Colorado, and they invest a lot in their community and different businesses and church leaders uh, Dick is known as just a storyteller extraordinaire, and he speaks at lots of conferences. He speaks at universities and churches, and um, many people. Uh, Dick's a, in a, a high demand speaker, so we just feel blessed to have this uh, this time with you, Dick. So, welcome, and um, t- give us a little update on what's going on in your world. Well, we, you know, I, I tell people I never thought I'd be this old. You know, I'm on my 73rd trip around the sun, mm. and which is how a friend of mine describes aging. You know, took another trip around the sun. And Ruth and I will celebrate 52 years of married life uh, here in a few months. We have four kids and 11 grandkids, ranging from age 23 to age 5. So when, when we talk about generational things, just in the grandkids, you have sort of this spread of interest. Right. But uh, we have the joy of um, living in northern Colorado and traveling some and connecting in that way. So thanks for this opportunity. It's oh, great. great. I love what you're doing. Oh. Well, Dick, I know that um, in your travels, I know you spend a lot of time on universities and being with um, uh, college students. Um, one thing that has just really been interesting to Wes and I in working uh, since we launched Yes is just uh, how there are so many adults that for whatever reason don't have a uh, relationship with with younger people. How, how can you, do you see that? And if sure. so, how can you address that? Well, you know, the, the, the changes in culture in the last 20 years, let's say since the advent of the cell phone, not even 20 years, <clears throat> have changed lots of things. You, you, um, you add that to families that are fractured, and you find that you have uh, generations, at least half the generation, uh, of young people uh, growing up without even natural relationships with grandparents. Mm-hmm. So the generational connectors that used to be there aren't there right. as much. And you add then social media and where we get our information. And I think older people start thinking they're out of the loop because we're out of the loop. You know, (laughs) say, how does this, how does this phone work again? You Uh called your three-year-old grandchild over to say, could, could you get 
the TV fixed here. Uh, <laughs> you know, and they just play around and bam, there you get your program, whatever it is. The Food Channel, which is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> Divers drive into dives. With Guy Fieri. Uh, but they, that whole, the, the, the gulf of information also, or the, the profusion of information, I think, creates a gulf sometimes of understanding because we have a generation in the millennials, folks who were born since 1981 to 85 in there, who have grown up in the information age where they have not, the first generation in the history of the world that hasn't had to go to an authority figure for information. Well, if information is power, you have these powerful children, if you will, and then you have grandparents who are out here in some netherworld, or, or in, mm-hmm. and by grandparents, I mean that two generations right. out. And it's just this, this big gulf. But for the older folks, uh, to be, try to be more succinct, to the older folks, I think sometimes we feel that younger people don't want to hang out with us. Mm-hmm. My experience is just the opposite, is that I think younger people in a, in a virtual world are looking for authenticity, vulnerability, and stability. Mm. And I think people, their grandparents' age, mm-hmm. several decades older than they, can often provide that. That's a long rambling right. response. but No, that's excellent. Can you give us um, like an example of someone even currently that you feel there's definitely a generation uh, gap there, but you and that person just really gel and connect. You're talking about mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, um, I, I have great joy in being with folks who are sort of my kids' age, who are in their 40s, so mm-hmm. we're 25 to 30 years uh, different in, in age. One of the persons that I've connected most with is Mark Batterson, who's a pastor in, in Washington, D.C. He's a right. writer, he's an author, and so forth. And uh, we just sort of connected over the years. When they started their church uh, back in the mid-90s, uh, they started with 19 folks, and Ruth and I decided, that since we had done that once at the University of Illinois in the 60s, that we'd be the graybeards in the crowd, mm-hmm. so we'd go hang with them. And so we did that, and we just maintained the relationship. Another one is a young man named Jeremy Valorand, in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I met Jeremy when he was 21 years old and I was 61. He came to D.C. We had dinner. I I knew his dad. And at the end of the dinner, as they were leaving, he turned to me me, and said, "Uh, Dick, is there anything I can do for you? Hmm. Well, when was the last time a 21-year-old asked a 61-year-old if there's anything? And I said, on the spur of the moment, well, when you graduate college, excuse me, why don't you come back and spend a year as an aide to me here in D.C.? So he did that. So when he was 23 and I was 63, we uh, spent that year and have stayed connected. And now he's president of a group called Rescue Freedom International, and I'm chairman of the board. But we have a chemistry, even though we're 40 years uh, difference in age. And I I think the heart of it is, Judy, when... When the older person is willing to be vulnerable, it makes a connection mm-hmm. because this generation puts their deepest feelings on Twitter. 
or uh-huh. on YouTube. Or I mean, you have to be careful what you say in a crowd because it'll go into cyberspace in three seconds. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're looking for authenticity, right? But also stability. And I think older people generally represent stability. Mm-hmm. Not always, but mm-hmm. generally. And anyway, I I cherish Mark and Jeremy as two close friends. Wow. Well, and I I know that when we visited, um, our son attends and his wife-to-be attend um, Mark Batterson's church uh-huh. back in Virginia. And I know when Wes and I went and visited them uh, last year and went to their church that uh, Mark referred to you in his sermon. So I know that he really considers you a mentor as as so many. Well, if when there's, I, oh, when, go I, ahead. when I left there <clears throat> six and a half years ago, he had asked me to speak uh, for a service and I couldn't. I was scheduled someplace else. He said, well, let's do a video and we'll use that. So we're down at the reflecting pool and by the Einstein statue and over at the Lincoln Memorial recording the stuff. And he said, I just want you to know that I've seen you as a mentor these years. And I said, well, maybe so, but you've, you've hardly done anything I've told you to do. <laughs> and he's done quite well. So maybe, you know, you need a mentor so you can do the other thing. Do the opposite, you yeah. <laughs> so if someone's listening, Dick, and they feel like, okay, they haven't had many of the opportunities that you've had. Right. But there's still something in them that they really would like to connect mm-hmm. with the younger generation, but they hardly even know where to begin what would be just some basic uh, a basic tool that you could just share with them on some way that they could real soon reach out to the younger generation well if if they're part of a congregation let's let's just take that as a possibility okay that they might be part of a, a group and and they have youth activities for example they don't have to lead that but if they'd be a host if right they'd, you know Grandma's pie is always great, you know. If, if they could do that, it allows you to have a context for which conversations could happen. But just in general conversation, if you say to a young person, so where were you born and brought up? Tell me where, and, and where did your folks come from? Or maybe your grandparents. Do you know where your grandparents came mm-hmm. from? Those are non-threatening questions And it allows you to have a beginning place. What I found, it was sort of a great day in my life when I realized that I could learn from anybody. Hmm. I can learn stuff from a four-year-old. I can even learn stuff from a person who's sort of a drunk. Or I might learn something from people who are very different than me religiously Mm -hmm. or have no faith at all about life. Hmm. And... If one assumes the stance of a learner, then when you say to a 17-year-old, help me understand how your peers think about stuff. Like, how do they think about money? Or how do they think about family? Or what do they think about relationship? Or sex? Or history? Or what do they think about the future? Mm -hmm. Like, what are you hearing when you're hanging out with your friends. When they, when people become your teacher or teachers, it gives you a chance for a relationship. I love that. That is so good, Dick. That really is. It gives you like a, a permission to yeah. ask more questions and to learn from them. And then when well, you and really you, And you actually show, learn. And you really do learn. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's so great. I love how you just, um, I mean, again, I can't even believe that I've known you for getting close to 40 years, but I have. How'd you're that happen? <laughs> you, you yeah, right. The, you were in the crib. Yes, <laughs> yeah. you were. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just love how you have related so well, and you've modeled so well how mm. to relate to all ages. I just think mm. that that's so, so important. Thank well, you. I think something uh, pretty exciting is that uh, you have um, co-authored a book with um, Mark Batterson that's coming out really soon. And um, let's see, um, uh, a trip around the sun, turning your everyday life into a, an, an adventure of a lifetime. I love that. So can you whet our appetite on why we need to go out and buy this book, which <laughs> it's well, already on pre-order. Prob- probably but <laughs> because Mark wrote it, and I'm, I'm the mouse hitchhiking on the elephant here. Aww. <laughs> he, um, you know, I think we wanted to do something as friends, and we wanted to look at various themes in life. This is not just sort of the power of positive thinking, as good as that is. This isn't even a glass-half-full book. It's us looking at various slices of life and giving our input and our experiences on those, on those pieces. So whether it's about how we see risk or how we see people or how we see marriage or money or the adventure itself, this idea of living life, understanding that there's no way to control the part that's out ahead. I mean, you can, but it, but it's no fun. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you how do you look at either the outward journey, like going to the North Pole with explorers, or the inward journey, like thinking deep thoughts, like Pascal? How do you <clears throat> how do you approach life in that way? Because when you approach life in that way, then every day is a possibility, and it and it isn't. Again, just sort of a sales pitch. I think it's um, it's there are certain principles that allow you to do that, and one of them we spoke to, and that is being willing to always be a learner mm-hmm. and not restrict from whom you learn in in the sense of age or ethnicity or religious background. Right, right. Wow, so there's going to be some fun stories in that book for us to look forward to, huh? <laughs> well, I, I hope so. Um, so is there anything in closing that you could just say, uh, maybe a, a short story that you could tell on just someone that you feel like has just really um, modeled connecting with the younger generation and, and making disciples, that just someone that you know of that just really has modeled this for you. Yeah, I think my father-in-law, Roy Blakely, who's now with Jesus, I met him when he was 38 and I was 10 at a youth camp or at a kid's camp. And he was a pastor, but he gave three weeks a summer to go to kid's camp. And he would dress up like a, like an army guy and have a 38 revolver with blanks in it. And he was a ventriloquist. And, and when he talked... He talked to us like we were real people, not some lesser species called kids. And because he took us seriously, we took the person he talked about seriously, this Mm. Jesus person. And he liked to have fun, 
He told us funny stories. He told us serious stories. And, but he always engaged us. And with small kids, I used to watch him. He would get down on his knees, so he was eye to eye with a, a little person. And he'd have candy in his pocket. And, he'd, and I don't know that I've ever been asked the question you just asked me and use this as an example. Hmm. But I think how I see about, how I think about relating to younger folks in large part has to have come from Roy Blakely. So when he died, the Modesto Bee newspaper had this half-page article or more, and they asked an architect friend of his, how did Roy see discipleship? And he said, very simply, Roy's philosophy of encouraging people to follow Jesus was simply make a friend, take him with you. That is powerful. That is so good. And Dick, that's what you've done. And I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting across the table here from you. And again, I know we've been friends for ages, but honestly, I want to thank you on behalf of a lot of people, many, many people, that whether you have been with a politician, some prominent leader, or a child, you love people. You love them with the love of the Lord. Let me, let me tell you one more person. I know we have to hurry. No. Your father, in his 60s, I think he was in his 60s, maybe a little older at that time. I didn't tell him to say this, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> he and your mom came and spent three years at our college giving their time and resources mm-hmm. and, and energies, and they lighted up the campus. Our son, Chris, was a teenager, 14 years old, 15 years old, and your dad befriended him. And one day, Chris lied to me. And I went to your dad. I said, Don, you won't believe this. Chris lied to me. And he looked at me and said, yeah. And I said, well, what should I do? He said, well, you know, you need to love him. But all kids lie. (laughs) I said, that's it? That's the sum total of your counsel? (laughs) But he loved him. And they had this unique, he taught him about painting, because your dad was a house painter. Mm-hmm. And when Chris got married to Tracy, he called up your dad and said, would you do my wedding with my dad? Hmm. So your dad and I did Chris and Tracy's wedding. Hmm. I couldn't think of a better example than your dad and Chris. Oh, well, I know dad loves you and loves Chris, and so that, that's a sweet story. Thank you, Dick, so much. And I just want to thank you for modeling Jesus so very well to so many people and just not caring about people's titles or anything like that. But you just go out and you love people. And when people are with you for that space in time, even though we know you have a huge busy agenda, thank you for making people feel so important and so special. It is a gift. Would you be so kind to just say a blessing over anyone that might be listening to this. Thank you. Lord, here we are again. You know it's like the back of your hand. For those that are listening, for older or younger, help them to know that they can learn from each other and in so doing learn from you. I pray that by your spirit you will uh, encourage a suppleness 
in their heart, their willingness to step out of the boat a little bit, take a chance, because when they do that, people get life. So thank you for all folks who are listening. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Yes Podcast. If you are interested in getting involved with Yes or would simply like more information about this ministry, we welcome you to visit our website at yes2serve.org.